It can be really hard for us to relax at night. We're always thinking about covering crime. But the good news is our wonderful new sponsor, Via, has a terrific product that helps us unwind. Via Hemp has a wide range of terrific gummies of both the THC and THC-free varieties. They can help you with focus, recovery, sleep, creativity, or just plain enjoyment. These products legally ship to all 50 states. I really liked Zen in particular. This is a yummy blueberry option that lets you catch a chill sleep with help from CBN and CBD. It's really helped me turn off my brain and settle down for the night. I also got a shout out Flow State. It helped me feel energized throughout the day. Like not to brag, but I got a lot done. I'm talking about doing several interviews and editing a whole show from start to finish, not to mention jumping on some of the latest filings in the cases we cover. It really made me feel sharp and ready to tackle any challenge. I couldn't recommend this more. Via has so many great gummy options to choose from. Everything from guava berry low dose that allows you to microdose THC to the chill-inducing Delta 9 gummy dreams. Head to viahemp.com and use code MSHEET to receive 15% off and one free sample of their award-winning gummies. That's viahemp.com and use code MSHEET at checkout. Please support our show and tell them we sent you. Enhance your every day with Via Hemp. Again, if you're 21 and over, you can get 15% off plus a free pack of award-winning gummies with our exclusive code, msheet at viahemp.com. That's V-I-I-A-H-E-M-P dot com. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. So today on the murder sheet, we have some updates to bring you about Richard Allen, the man who has been arrested and charged in the murders of Liberty German and Abigail Williams. More specifically, we have some updates involving some of the court proceedings against him. They've been kept secret. We have also have some updates concerning the exact charge he is facing. And also, we're going to bring you some information on our understanding of the sort of tips that law enforcement is especially seeking at the moment. My name is Anya Kane. I'm a journalist. And I'm Kevin Greenlee. I'm an attorney. We first connected while looking into the Burger Chef murders, an Indiana cold case. Together, we built a spreadsheet documenting hundreds of cases of restaurant-related homicides. That original spreadsheet gave way to our podcast, The Murder Sheet. 
Now we maintain that same research-centric, investigative approach as we look into all sorts of homicides, including unsolved cases, historical crimes, and, of course, restaurant murders. We don't just chat about the headlines. Our podcast is a platform for our journalism. The Murder Sheet focuses on investigative reporting, thoughtful analysis, thorough research, and in-depth interviews. We're the Murder Sheet. And this is the Delphi Murders, Richard Allen Updates. Let's start by talking about basically the very beginning of the court case against Richard Allen. After he was arrested, like anyone else, he was brought before a judge and there was a hearing on the exact charges he faced. And at that time, as part of that process, the entire court file about him and the charges he faces was completely sealed. Now, sometimes in court cases, you'll have like a specific, you'll have like a specific affidavit sealed or a specific document sealed. It is really, really unusual to have an entire file sealed. So it was sealed to the extent that the, that if you would go online to the court system database, which is called my case here in Indiana, you would not see that there was any case listed against Richard Allen at all. It was as if the case didn't exist from the documentary evidence. There was no cause number. There was nothing. And that raised a lot of fears in some people's minds, because uh, this isn't the way we've been taught to understand that our court system works. And so we called around to try to find out, is this normal? Who did you contact? I contacted Mike Moore, who is the executive, who is the assistant executive director of the Indiana Public Defender Council. And he also acknowledged that it was quite unusual. And here's what he had to say. I've never seen it. Nobody in the office or anybody that I talked to has seen it. Um, that happened before where they sealed an entire record. They have sealed affidavits and things that may contain you know, people's information they want to keep, keep confidential for a while, but I've never um, known a court to do that on their own without someone requesting it, so we don't know if the state requested it or the court did it to Esponte, So, And a lot of people shared his confusion. Uh, it was hard for us. We couldn't find any attorney who could recall another case of this happening. Some people were even wondering, is this even legal that they're doing this? I was so confused and baffled by this 
that I even ended up going back to one of my old law school professors. Uh, if you're in law school, oftentimes the professors will say that if you, once you enter into practice, if you ever have any questions about something, please feel free to reach out to us. It's been a while since I've been in law school, but I decided to call in that marker, as you will, and I contacted uh, Joseph Hoffman. He was an outstanding professor, uh, one of the best professors I had in law school. And the reason I went to him in particular is that he taught the criminal procedure class. Professor Hoffman was kind enough to send a very detailed and very helpful reply. And I'm going to read from it now. Professor Hoffman wrote, The Indiana Constitution, Article 1, Section 12, provides that all courts shall be open. Now, the relevant Indiana statute that generally provides for access to public records is Indiana Code Title 5, Article 14, Chapter 3. Section 5.5 of that chapter allows for sealing certain records by court under certain circumstances. In turn, and in partial implementation of the aforementioned statutes, the Indiana Rules of Court contain a set of rules on access to court records. Under Rule 4, a court record is accessible to the public except as provided in Rule 5. Under Rule 5, a court can exclude from public access an individual case record or even an entire case file without public notice if the judge enters an order excluding the court record from public access pursuant to Rule 6. Rule 6 provides that such an order can be entered if the public interest will be substantially served by prohibiting access. If the public interest will be substantially served by prohibiting access. Or if access will create a significant risk of substantial harm to some person or the general public. Or a substantial prejudicial effect to ongoing proceedings cannot be avoided without prohibiting public access. A judge who is considering an order to exclude public access under Rule 6 must schedule a public hearing. But the case record can be treated as confidential for a reasonable time pending such a public hearing. Professor Hoffman continues, Although the information about what the judge actually did in this particular case is not known, I assume that the judge acted pursuant to Rule 6. The prosecutor seems to have indicated so when he said at the press conference that, quote, it's about protecting the integrity of the case, end quote. That would seem to fit within two of the three clauses of Rule 6, i.e. the public interest will be substantially served and a substantial prejudicial effect to an ongoing proceeding cannot be avoided. So, in short, Although Indiana law generally presumes public access to court records, and although such access is routine in the vast majority of criminal cases, there is an official process by which public access can be temporarily blocked, at least long enough for the judge to hold a public hearing about the issue. That seems to be where things stand for right now in the Delphi case. The big unanswered question is, why is this case being handled so differently from most other cases? And the answer seems to be, based on what little we know so far, that the criminal investigation is still ongoing. 
So, new information and potentially even a new suspect may still emerge. And that's why the prosecutor seems to want to keep things under wraps for at least a little while longer. So, that cleared up a lot of things for us, I think, in particular. Now, let me say, he was he's a great law professor, I'm an attorney, you're a lay person. Did what he wrote make sense to you? Do we need to... Uh... Yes. I Well, to me, basically what I took from that is they're totally within their rights to do this if they have a reason to that they explain to a judge. And the reason which they explained to the public as well and to the media at the press conference is that the investigation is ongoing. Right. So in essence, I think there were a lot of unstated fears that this was like secret trials, like in a police state or something. Yeah. I mean, and frankly, the fact that they didn't even have a cause number at first and it was not on my case, I think maybe prompted some of that. But, uh, well, there's been a few developments. We we now know this from Professor Hoffman, who very, very eloquently kind of laid it all out about how in rare cases when there's a reason they're totally within their rights to do this. They're not doing anything wrong, per se. And it's not going to last forever. At a certain point, it will become open. But that point is not now because there is a reason to keep it quiet when they are still trying to work this investigation. So this is not a police state situation. <laughs> yeah. They're not breaking any laws. There is a process in place to handle this rather unusual situation. That process is being followed. Even on the day of the press conference, they announced that there's going to be a public hearing as to whether or not this can remain secret. Our understanding is that investigators basically found themselves on the horns of a dilemma when it came to what happened last week. They believe that they have a moral, legal, and ethical responsibility that as soon as they figure out who the person was who was involved in the murder of these two girls is, as soon as they identify him, that person should be incarcerated. That person should be put into a position where he will be facing justice as soon as possible. But if you do that, and the information about the evidence against that person becomes public, if there were other people involved, it might tip them off. And so the way they handled that dilemma was by seeking to keep this probable cause affidavit secret, at least until there's a public hearing. And to be honest, to insert my own personal opinion into this matter, as we're reporting on it, as a journalist, I'm going to tend to want things to be open and have sunshine, you know, shining on them so that people, the public can be informed and the public can know what it, you know, it has the right to know. In this case, I can understand why they did it this way. Uh, I wish they'd explained it a little bit better up front, because I think uh, by not having it on my case and having uh, court employees ready to stonewall, I think that's a bit of a, you know, that that's that's not conveying what I think needed to be conveyed here. But I can understand this, and if it, it since this investigation is clearly still whirring along, I I think it's. I think it's reasonable. I mean, that there can be a delay in some of these documents coming coming to light. I think I'm personally fine with that. Although in nine cases out of 10, I would be the one to say, you know, let it all out. Let the people know what they need to know. So just throwing my own two cents as a layperson in, 
And uh, we really appreciate Professor Hoffman kind of being willing to clear this up for us because there's been so much confusion. And I think it's important to kind of note that they are within their rights here. It's not something that's uh, illegal or uh, it's just unusual. A weight loss journey can feel like a lonely struggle, but it doesn't have to be. For so many of us, lifestyle changes like deciding to lose weight, adopting a nutritious diet and taking up fun exercises are all about putting our own health and wellness first. But it can be really hard to know where to begin or how to keep the weight off once we've seen some progress. Quick fixes like soup diets and juice cleanses are unsustainable. There's a much better way to embark on this journey that over 200,000 people have already chosen. We're talking about the Roe Body Program. Here's how it works. Roe gives you access to one of the most popular weight loss shots on the market. Their Roe Body Program then sets up a comprehensive weight loss program tailored to your specific lifestyle, health status, and goals. In addition to the weekly shot, you get one-on-one coaching with a registered nurse. That can help you adopt and stick with lifestyle changes like exercise routines and nutritious diets. It's a comprehensive program that sees participants lose 15 to 20% of their weight in a year on average. But the real benefit is that you keep that weight off. This is weight loss at its most sustainable. With Roe, the average weight loss is 15 to 20% of your weight in one year, in conjunction with healthy lifestyle changes. BMI and other eligibility criteria apply. Go to roe.co slash msheet. Sign up today and you'll pay just $99 for your first month and $145 a month after that. Medication costs are separate. Go to roe.co slash msheet. That's roe.co slash msheet. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. And let's talk a little bit more about what might happen at this hearing. I don't know what to expect the final results of that hearing to be, but it's important to note that it's not going to be an all-or-nothing proposition. In other words, the choice the judge is ultimately going to face is not going to be, do I release the entire contents? of this file or do I not release any of it? He will have the option to have certain parts redacted and kept secret. So if it's possible to release some things from the file without compromising the investigation, that can be done. Right, exactly. There's a lot of room for nuance here going forward. And of course, at some point, all of this will have to be public because there's going to be a trial. But um, I guess as an attorney, and now, now that we know more facts around this, how do, how do you feel about it? Because I know both of us were somewhat concerned when we were uh, not finding this even popping up on my case because it was just so unusual. 
it seems strange. It seemed bizarre. I feel better now that I understand there is a process in place that is being followed. This is not an extra legal thing. No. Laws aren't being broken or flouted. There's a process in place and it's working. Now, another thing I think a lot of people have been concerned about is that at least as of the time we're recording this, it's not clear if Richard Allen has an attorney. Yes, we have not heard anything to indicate that he does at this time, but, you know. We've tried. We've tried. Why don't you discuss that? So we called around to different Carroll County criminal defense attorneys uh, the other day, and we got a lot of people saying they did not know who was his attorney, but it wasn't their firm, you know, which is fine. One woman actually hung up on us when we called her asking about this. And generally, you got the sense that a lot of people did not want to talk about the subject at all. And I think that's understandable, given that it's a very, very small... Delphi is a very small town. Carroll County is a small county. There's a lot of interconnectedness. And when you're talking about being the defense attorney to a man who is accused of doing a really heinous, horrible, high-profile crime that's gotten international attention and has kind of been the focus of the news media when reporting on said county, um, I can understand feeling that, you know, that might be a situation where you're opening yourself up to get a lot of blowback. Even though, I mean, this man has a right to an attorney, he has a right to be defended, he's innocent until proven guilty, we all need to remember that. And, you know, but uh, from the attorney's perspective, I mean, I think you're kind of opening yourself up to for, you know, you're trying to get this guy out of jail. What are you doing? I mean, like, it's it's just it's small town politics, essentially. Yeah. And our understanding is that if he doesn't have an attorney at this point, it's not because there haven't been efforts made, but they're just having some difficulty finding uh, an, an appropriate attorney, person, an appropriate public defender in Carroll County who's prepared to take the case. Yeah. So it will be very interested to watch that process going forward because, again, he has a right to an attorney. He has a right to be presumed innocent until proven guilty. It is the burden of the state to prove that he killed or participated in the crime that led to the deaths of Abby and Libby. Now, it's interesting. You you changed your wording there at the end. Can you explain why? Well, today, finally, the case dropped on my case. So we were able to look specifically at the charges that were laid out against Richard M. Allen. And what we saw intrigued us. So when you go on my case, you will find that Richard Allen is charged with two counts of murder. More specifically, he's charged with two counts of murder under 35-42-1-1, parentheses 2. Can you read that relevant section? The relevant section of the Indiana Code of uh, Criminal Law and Procedure is that uh, that is defined as murder, a person who kills another human being while committing or attempting to commit arson, burglary, child molesting, consumer product tampering, criminal deviant conduct under IC 3542-42 before its repeal, kidnapping, rape, robbery, human trafficking, promotion of human trafficking, sexual trafficking of a minor, or carjacking before its repeal. So that's essentially felony murder. So in other words, they don't have to prove 
under this charge. They do not have to prove that Richard Allen deliberately, willfully, personally took the lives of those two girls. What do they need to prove? They need to prove that he participated in one of the crimes mentioned under the statute that ultimately resulted in the deaths of the two girls. And under that statute, to be clear, he doesn't even have to have personally killed the girls or even be aware that that was the plan. If Kevin comes to me, we've used this example before, but I think it's important to kind of highlight what we're talking about. If Kevin comes to me and says, Anya, let's do a felony, let's rob a bank. And I say, great. And then we go in our car and I'm the getaway driver and he goes into the bank and kills a teller and runs out with the money. We drive away, then we're arrested. He's not the only one that's going to be facing murder charges. I agreed to participate in the bank robbery that led to the death of the teller. I therefore am liable under this statute. I I can be charged with murder as well. So all they need to prove is that Richard Allen was a willing participant in a felony. More specifically, one of the felonies on that list that Anya read. He has to be proven to be a willing participant in such a felony that resulted in the death of these two girls. So this could mean several things, although we believe that one is more likely than the other. One thing, for instance, is it could mean that he did not intentionally mean to kill the girls, that it was an accident. Which, knowing what we know about how this crime occurred, and if you recall the probable cause affidavit we released that was filed against Ron Logan, you will have a sense of what we're talking about, that it seems highly unlikely that this crime was an accident. So then what's the other option? Somebody else was involved. Yes, the other option is that two or more people, one of whom was Richard Allen, planned and participated in a felony that resulted in the deaths of these two girls. That's what the statute suggests. And of course, at the press conference the other day, the superintendent and the others who spoke were very careful not to rule out the possibility that someone else may have been involved. And even Doug Carter, superintendent of the Indiana State Police, noted that they will be working to hold anybody who may have participated in this crime accountable. I'm paraphrasing, but that that is the gist of what he was saying, that if there's other people involved, they will be found and held accountable. And that leads into something else. He also said... The investigation is ongoing. We still need tips. Yes. Uh, which is, again, we thought was unusual at the time. but Now perhaps we understand it a bit better. Mm-hmm. So the question is, what kind of tips do they need? Now, at this point, prior to this point, uh, they were seeking tips on who is Bridge Guy. That question has been answered. Uh, investigators believe the bridge guy was Richard Allen. So the question they want help with now is, who is Richard Allen? Yes. Who is he? What did he like to do? Who did he like to hang out with? Who knew him? Who did he talk with? Who did he consider his friends throughout his life? Who, I mean, what kind of activities did he do? What was his family life like? 
What, what, what do his family members say about him? What do his neighbors say about him? They need to know. They need to, they need to know everything about this man, essentially. They need to be able to investigate this person who they believe was at the very least culpable for the murders of Abigail Williams and Liberty German. They need information. So if you knew this man at any stage of his life, if you knew him when he lived in Delphi, Indiana, if you knew him when he lived in Mexico, Indiana, or Greenwood, Indiana, or if you knew him during that time of his life when he lived in Peru, Indiana, then you need to contact police and share with them your knowledge about this man and what he was like. Yeah, this is not the time to sit on information that you may have. Even if you don't think it's super important, if you if you have information on Richard Allen, you should be taking it to the authorities and tipping it into the tip line. It's very, very important. That was made very clear at the presser. They need your help. They need people's help. And again, it's not about at this point trying to identify who bridge guy is or bringing your own suspect or your own person of interest to the forefront. It's about, it's about this guy. It's about Richard Allen, Rick Allen. He's lived in a couple of different towns in Indiana over the years. He's had a couple of different jobs. If you, if you somehow cross paths with him, you need to be coming forward with that. And also, even if you just knew him online, uh, share with police what you know. Uh, obviously, whatever inf- any information you might have, you should first go to police with it. Contact the tip line. Contact the Indiana State Police. Uh, if you also, after you do that, would like to reach out to us, please do. But by all means, go to the, go to the police first. Take it to the police first. And if you want to talk to us at some point or fill us in about how we can cover this this case and, and this this new this suspect that's been arrested, you know, rest assured that if you want to talk to us confidentially, we will keep you confidential. And if you would prefer to talk off the record, meaning that we will not use it in the show, we will not record you. It will be just between us, just between us, a conversation between people. Then we're we, we are accepting of that, too. We, we protect our sources and we are not going to. uh you know, just put you on the show, essentially. We talked to a lot of people in Delphi, in Peru, in Mexico, all over the place that will never appear on the show whose stories you will never hear. But it it fills our understanding of this case. And it's very, very helpful to us. So please continue to share your stories with us, share your information and your tips with us. It's all very much appreciated. We're certainly going to continue to work on this case. Uh, Meanwhile, we'll also continue to uh, drop episodes on other things. I think we have a bonus episode coming out tomorrow that's not related to Delphi. It's with the uh, interview with an author of a new book on another case. We're going to continue to do other subjects, but we will always be working on Delphi. And whenever we have information that we feel is worth sharing, we will share it with you. And uh, let's just reiterate the tip line one more time. It's Abby and Libby tip at C-A-C-O-S-H-R-F dot com. And the number is 765-822-3535.
Thanks so much for listening to The Murder Sheet. If you have a tip concerning one of the cases we cover, please email us at murdersheet at gmail.com. If you have actionable information about an unsolved crime, please report it to the appropriate authorities. If you're interested in joining our Patreon, that's available at www.patreon.com slash murdersheet. If you want to tip us a bit of money for records requests, you can do so at www.buymeacoffee.com slash murdersheet. We very much appreciate any support. Special thanks to Kevin Tyler Greenley, who composed the music for the murder sheet, and who you can find on the web at kevintg.com. If you're looking to talk with other listeners about a case we've covered, you can join the Murder Sheet discussion group on Facebook. We mostly focus our time on research and reporting, so we're not on social media much. We do try to check our email account, but we ask for patience as we often receive a lot of messages. Thanks again for listening. Audible is the destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Allow your imagination to be piqued by stories that are brought to life through captivating sound design, eerie soundscapes, and dynamic performances. As an Audible member, you'll be able to keep your heart rate up month after month because you can choose one title a month to keep from the entire catalog, including the latest bestsellers and new releases. If you're in the mood for a shocking psychological thriller, check out None of This is True by Lisa Jewell. Embrace brand new exclusive thrillers from bestselling authors who are guaranteed to keep you gripped. New members can try Audible free for 30 days. Visit audible.com slash thrill or text thrill to 500-500. That's audible.com slash thrill or text thrill to 500-500. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.